Hey guys, welcome to Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. I'm Dr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, and if you're not familiar with us, over the last 15 years, we've become the world's largest online nutrition, fitness, and health coaching company. Through that time, as you can imagine, we've watched fad diets and fitness crazes come and go. But when the fads have failed and the crazes died out and people just want something that works, they turn to Precision Nutrition for things like expert coaching, guided mentorship, and online support. In this podcast, which is a mix of recorded articles, interviews, and roundtable discussions, myself and my Precision Nutrition colleagues will help make the whole nutrition, fitness, and health process work for you. Ideally, you'll discover that eating, moving, and living well can be easy and enjoyable for now and into the future. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's Bryce from Precision Nutrition, and today I'm reading the article, Good Stress, Bad Stress, Finding Your Sweet Spot, by Krista Scott Dixon and Brian St. Pierre. Too much stress, or the wrong kind, can harm our health. Yet stress can also be a positive force in our lives, keeping us focused, alert, and at the top of our game. It all depends on what kind of stress it is, how prepared we are to meet it, and how we view it. In today's article, Krista and Brian explain why. People often think that stress is a dangerous and deadly thing, yet stress is simply a normal, physiological response to events that make you feel threatened or upset your equilibrium in some way. When you sense danger, physical, mental, or emotional, your defenses kick into high gear in a rapid, automatic process known as the fight-or-flight response. In other words, the stress response. The stress response is your body's way of protecting you. When working properly, the stress response helps you stay focused, energetic, and alert. In emergency situations, stress can save your life or that of others, giving you the extra strength to lift a car off your child or spurring you to slam on the brakes to avoid an accident. The stress response also helps you rise to meet challenges. Stress keeps you sharp during a presentation at work, increases your concentration when you need it most, or drives you to study for an exam when you'd rather be out with your friends. But beyond a certain point, stress stops helping and starts damaging your health, your mood, your productivity, your relationships, and your quality of life. So let's talk about stress and the allostatic load. Grab a piece of paper a moment and write down all the things in your average day that could possibly be a stress on your body, mind, and emotions. Now after you do, we'd guess your list probably looks something like this. Boss yelled at me. Rushing around to see clients. Worrying about money. Commuting. Crummy weather. Kid woke me up early. Girlfriend or boyfriend or wife or husband snarked at me this morning. I think I might have eaten some bad shrimp salad. Now, if you're like most people, you're a camel carrying a big load of straw with these combined life stresses. Now imagine what could happen if you start piling on more straw with worrying about your body image, with physical stress from your workouts, or with restricting your food intake. Eventually, that's right, snap. The pile of straw, the cumulative total of all the stuff in your life that causes physical, mental, or emotional stress, is known as your allostatic load. Now, some stress is good stress, also called eustress. Good stress pushes you out of your comfort zone, but in a good way. Good stress helps you learn, grow, and get stronger. For example, riding a roller coaster is fun and exciting. It lasts a short time, and you feel exhilarated afterwards. Well, that is if you like roller coasters. Exercise can be another form of good stress. 
you feel a little uncomfortable, but then you feel good, and after an hour or so, you're done. Now, good stress is typically short-lived, infrequent, over quickly, in a matter of minutes or hours, can be part of a positive life experience, inspires you to action, and helps build you up. It leaves you better than you were before. But let's say you ride that roller coaster constantly, or lift weights four hours a day, every day. Now, it doesn't seem so fun, does it? This is bad stress, or distress. Bad stress lasts a long time, is chronic, is ongoing, is negative, depressing, and demoralizing, demotivates and paralyzes you, and breaks you down. It leaves you worse off than you were before. Now, one key feature that distinguishes good from bad stress is how well the stressor matches your ability to recover from it. So let's now talk about the stress sweet spot. Since stress affects the mind, body, and behavior in many ways, everyone experiences stress differently. Each of us has a unique recovery zone, whether that's physical or psychological, and our recovery zone depends on several factors. Just as important as the stress itself is how you perceive and respond to it. Some people, for example, go with the flow and can adapt well to what others would perceive as highly stressful events, while other people crumble at even the slightest challenge or frustration they encounter. And there are many things that affect our tolerance to stress, such as the following. Our attitude and outlook. People with optimistic, proactive, and positive attitudes are more stress-resistant, and people who view stressful events as a challenge and realize that change is simply a part of life have a far larger recovery zone and are far less vulnerable to stress. Then there's our life experience. Past stress can build us up or break us down, depending on when that stress happened and how powerful it was. Moderate stress at a time when we can handle it generally makes us better and more resilient. However, stress at a time when we're already vulnerable, such as during childhood or piled up on top of other stressors, can actually leave us worse off. Then there's our genetic makeup and epigenetic expression. Some of us are genetically more stress-susceptible than others, especially if we meet environmental factors that then epigenetically switch on or switch off those crucial genes. For instance, one study found that older people carrying a certain gene polymorphism suffered major depression only if they had something bad happen to them in childhood. The folks with the genetic variant who had normal childhoods were fine. Then there's our perception of control. Stress becomes most traumatic when we feel trapped. If we're able to successfully fight or flee, we tend to recover better. But if we feel unable to change the situation, we'll go to the next stage stress response, the freeze response. This is when we feel helpless, hopeless, and paralyzed. We may also get more stressed if we're control freaks, constantly trying to grip, grab, and grasp everything tightly. Then there's our natural personality type. If you have confidence in yourself and your ability to influence events and persevere through challenges, it's easier to take stressful events in stride. People who are more vulnerable to stress tend to feel like they have no ability to influence the events around them. They might also be highly empathetic and thus feel pushed and pulled by the needs and wants of others. All right, then there's our support network. A strong network of supportive friends and family members, which can include even pets, is a powerful buffer against the stress of life. Conversely, loneliness and isolation worsen stress. Then there's our ability to deal with our emotions. If you can't calm and soothe yourself when you're feeling stressed or overly emotional, you're more vulnerable to stress. The ability to level out your emotions will help you better handle adversity. All right, moving along, there's our environment. 
natural environments, in other words, outdoors, spaces with lots of windows and natural lighting and so forth, calm us down, as do secure and safe environments, such as your comfy living room. Industrial environments full of stimuli, noises, machinery, artificial lights, threats coming at us quickly and so forth, amp us up and put us on edge. We also feel more relaxed in environments we think we can control, such as our homes, while we're more anxious in environments that we think we can't control, such as large public spaces or most work sites. And lastly, there's the aforementioned allostatic load. The larger the allostatic load, in other words, the more stuff we're dealing with all at once, the more it wears down our resilience and shrinks our recovery zone. How we respond to stress is critical, but the cumulative load of excess stress can wear down even the most resilient and positive person. Online in today's article, we have an example graph of what the recovery zone looks like. You can check it out online at precisionnutrition.com forward slash good dash stress dash bad dash stress. But essentially what it shows you is that if the stressor is too low, not enough to cause a reaction, then nothing will happen. You'll go along the same as before, no better or worse. However, if the stressor is too high, too strong or lasts too long, outpacing your recovery ability, then you'll eventually break down. And lastly, if the stressor is within your recovery zone, neither too much nor too little, and doesn't last too long, then you'll recover from it and get better. In other words, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Now, we want enough good stress to keep a fire under our butts, but not so much that we break down and burn out. And this applies to our own exercise and nutrition, as well as our family lives and overall workload. That optimum zone depends on your allostatic load, as well as how well you perceive and respond to it. Remember, this is your individual stress zone, nobody else's. And also remember that the allostatic load is everything, mental, physical, emotional. In other words, that email from your boss, your hangnail, the weird paint smell in your office, your shockingly high phone bill, everything goes on to the stress pile. So consider this holistically. If your existing pile of straw is already heavy, then it'll take only a few more straws to break you. And if you view your pile of straw as being too large and heavy, regardless of its actual size, then again, it'll only take a few more straws to break you. So to manage stress, we really must do two things. First, learn to balance our life demands, workload, and exercise nutrition responsibilities. And second, view these responsibilities as an achievable challenge or an interesting problem to solve, rather than some insurmountable obstacle. So, Here's how to manage your allostatic load. To lead a healthy, productive, and fulfilling life, you must manage your allostatic load. So here are some activities you can do immediately to boost your body's happy chemicals, activate your rest and digest nervous system, and start building your stress resilience. Here we go. A relaxing walk, especially outside, being out in nature, getting moderate sunshine, listening to relaxing music, mindfulness practice and meditation, massage, deep breathing, laughing, snuggling a loved one or pet, yoga, gentle mobility and or slow stretching exercises, gentle swimming or water immersion such as a hot tub, relaxing in a sauna, having sex, seriously, physical non-competitive play, moderate occasional drinking, in other words one to two drinks for men and one for women, enjoyed slowly and mindfully, and lastly drinking green tea. In other words, Think of de-stressing as purposefully chasing relaxation. And by the way, some recreational activities don't count, such as watching TV or movies, playing video games, or surfing the internet. 
Electronic stimulation, while fun, is still stimulation, so anything involving the screen is out. Now let's dig a little deeper into a few of these recommendations, beginning with meditation. Meditation is one of the best stress relievers there is. Research on regular meditation shows how incredibly restorative it is, as it lowers blood pressure, lowers heart rate, lowers stress hormones, lowers inflammation, boosts immune system, improves focus, mental clarity, and attention, even when not meditating, improves mood, and improves sleep. Being chronically overstressed can negatively rewire your brain, increasing your risk for anxiety and depression. Fortunately, meditation is like magic. When done regularly, it can rewire your brain in the opposite direction to do all kinds of awesome stuff. For example, meditation can contribute to neurogenesis, the growth of new neural connections and brain cells, emotional regulation, in other words, your ability to manage your feelings, memory and recall, development of the brain's gray matter after only a few weeks, and our ability to regulate our body clock. So, how do you actually go about doing it? Well, while people sometimes think of medication as some arcane practice best suited to adherence of the Hare Krishna sect, it's actually pretty easy to do, and you don't have to look or act like an aging hippie to benefit from it. Here are the steps. Number one, find a comfortable, quiet, private place. Number two, sit or lie down, whatever seems most convenient. The position doesn't matter as long as you're relaxed. Number three, get a timer going. Set a timer for five minutes and then forget about counting down how long it's been. That's your timer's job. It'll take care of you. Number four, close your eyes. Number five, start with a quick 30-second body scan. As you scan down your body from head to toe, think about consciously relaxing each muscle. Let everything sink downward. In particular, let your face droop. Number six, now focus on your breathing. Breathe in through your diaphragm, pushing your belly in and out and observe how the air moves in and out of you. Number seven, count 10 breaths, observing each one. Number eight, let thoughts drift in and out. Let them wander in, then shoo them away. They'll be back, you don't need to hold on to them. Number nine, observe only, don't judge. There is no should. If you think of something, no worries, just don't fret. If you hear a noise or have an itch, simply think, oh, there's a noise, or I have an itch. Make a note of it, then move on. Number 10, keep coming back to your breathing. There's no rush, so just keep wandering back to it. What's it doing now? Number 11, repeat until your time is up. And 12, finish with five good belly breaths to bookend the session. And of course, lastly, open your eyes. That's it. It's pretty easy. All right, let's move on to our next recommendation, green tea. You likely already know that drinking green tea has tons of health benefits. At PN, we've been singing its praises for years, and now you can add one more benefit to that list. A large study in Japan found that regularly drinking green tea lowered the stress levels of those found to have high levels of psychological stress. This is thought to be due to the L-theanine, a non-protein amino acid in green tea, and to an extent in other teas. L-theanine is a proven stress reducer and calming agent. It inhibits cortisol, which our body releases in response to stress, and also lowers your blood pressure and heart rate as it chills out your sympathetic nervous system, and it causes all of these actions in as little as 30 to 40 minutes after consumption. L-theanine may even change your brain function. During most of your waking hours, your brain is producing beta brain waves, which can affect concentration and focus. Green tea consumption will actually stimulate your brain to emit alpha brain waves instead, 
creating a state of deep relaxation and mental alertness, similar to what you can achieve through meditation. Now, this may occur because L-theanine is involved in the formulation of the inhibitory neurotransmitter gamma-aminobutyric acid, or GABA. GABA influences the levels of two other neurotransmitters, dopamine and serotonin, producing the key relaxation effect. Sipping a few cups of tea throughout the day can help to lower stress, increase focus, even more effectively than coffee, suppress appetite, and improve your health. (laughs) Not too bad. All right, let's move on to our next recommendation, exercise. Regular exercise is a great tool to help you handle stress. Exercise often allows you to blow off steam, and exercising regularly can boost your stress tolerance. However, remember that all stress fits into one bucket. In other words, the allostatic load. If you have a super stressed out life, training your ass off six times a week is only going to contribute to that, as training stress goes into the bucket too. Instead, balance your exercise approach. It's not all about high-intensity, high-volume lifting combined with high-intensity intervals all the time. Training intensely as your sole approach to exercise will continually jack up your sympathetic nervous system and compound your stress symptoms. Instead, do a mix of intense weight training, some intense conditioning, and plenty of restorative exercise. Exercise that leaves you feeling more refreshed and invigorated after doing it, not drained and exhausted. This would include activities like walking outside in sunshine, Brian St. Pierre's favorite, by the way, especially with his dog, yoga, gentle mobility and or slow stretching exercises, gentle swimming or water immersion, such as a hot tub, a casual bike ride, or a casual hike. This exercise is meant to stimulate some blood flow, get you outside if possible, because sunshine and nature are proven to improve mood and lower stress, burn a few calories, and stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system. Your parasympathetic nervous system, by the way, is known as the rest and digest system, as opposed to the fight or flight sympathetic nervous system. Engaging your parasympathetic nervous system is key to lowering your stress. And there's nothing wrong with kicking butt in the gym, but don't let your only form of exercise be balls-to-the-wall high-intensity training, especially if you already lead a stressful lifestyle. Allow yourself some quiet and gentle exercise. You'll lower stress, improve recovery, and as a side benefit, you'll also improve your intense lifting. Now, in addition to all of those recommendations, here are some final tips for stress management. Establish a routine and some order in your life. While scheduling yourself too strictly can be confining, too much reactive spontaneity can be stressful as well. Find a balance between the two that works for you. And eat plenty of omega-3 fats. Eat fish, pasture-raised animals, flax seeds and chia seeds, and take fish, krill, or algae oil. And know your limits. Know how much stress you can handle. While you can increase your stress tolerance and lower your stress by following the preceding tips, simply knowing that you can't be everywhere at once or everything to everyone will also take some pressure off. Be reasonable about your individual capabilities and expectations. Remember that each person is different. And try single tasking. We often think that multitasking lets us do more work in less time. Research consistently shows the opposite. When we focus on multiple things at once, we do each of them less efficiently and effectively. Each time you interrupt one task, your brain takes about 15 minutes to get back to optimal processing speed and efficiency. And let's be honest, most of us don't do anything for 15 focused minutes, so our brain never has any time to settle in and get her done. Do one thing at a time, do it well, and then move on to the next. And speaking of the next, unplug from the digital world. There's constant electronic stimulation in our lives. Unplug from it once in a while. Turn off your phone. 
close your computer, go read a book, play games, and get social with other humans. And lastly, change your stress story. Drop the negative self-talk and work towards a more positive attitude. Telling yourself and other people how busy you are and how much you have to do only makes yourself feel busier, chaotic, and more stressed. On the other hand, a positive attitude can actually lower stress levels. Simply telling yourself you can manage something can give you more confidence to manage it. This doesn't mean that you can never be frustrated or sad. It simply means you shouldn't wallow in it. Now, with all of this being said, don't get stressed out by trying to incorporate all of these tips. Just focus on two key points. First, all stress, life, work, family, financial, training, good or bad, fits into one bucket, creating your unique allostatic load. To stay healthy, lean, and fit, you must manage this load. Find the strategies that work best for you and practice them on a regular basis. And keep in mind that what works best for you at this particular stage of your life may not work for you in other stages. So be willing to evolve your strategies as your life and allostatic load evolve. And second, just as important as your stress load is how you respond to it. View stress as a challenge or an interesting puzzle to solve. Roll with the punches and have a plan B or C or D. Stay open, flexible, and creative. This attitude helps you handle your allostatic load better and mitigate the potential harm it could cause you. This has been Bryce from Precision Nutrition reading today's article, Good Stress, Bad Stress, Finding Your Sweet Spot, by Krista Scott Dixon and Brian St. Pierre. You can read the article online yourself at precisionnutrition.com forward slash good dash stress dash bad dash stress. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's Eat, Move, and Live Better podcast. For more information about how to eat, move, and live better yourself, and for some awesome free nutrition and health resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.